Uh, so how many of you have a, a family member, mom, dad, grandfather, grandmother, that they always would tell you, don't forget to eat? A few of you had those? Especially if you're from a, maybe a, an Italian family or, or a big families. a lot of times it was, uh, you got to eat. And I had a great-grandmother uh, whose main life goal, I think, was to feed anyone and everyone who walked through her, her door. Uh, I don't think it was by mistake that the main entrance to the house was through the kitchen. Uh, you, you came, it was on my great-grandfather's farm. It didn't matter if you were a hired hand, if you were the mailman and you happened to have to bring a package, she would try to feed you, whether you wanted it or not. And, and if you said, I'm not hungry now, she would grab a plastic Betty Crocker container and start filling it with like beef and noodles and send it with you, okay? It was her life goal, and she was good at it, and she achieved it. Food is very important, right? How do we stay alive? Don't forget to eat, all right? It sounds simple enough. Uh, if we don't eat, we die. Science tells us about 40 days after not eating, the body starts to eat itself, um, after about 40 days, and, and some people, if you got a little more in reserve than others, you might be able to go a little bit longer than that. But at a certain point, once your reserves are used up and you don't have any more body fat, your actually body starts eating its own organs and brain tissue as well. Is that right, my, the nurses in here? Yes, okay, good, I'm, I'm right. All right, so eating is very important. Uh, it's also a part of, central part of many cultures and a uh, big part of our identity and the ways that we, we live our lives. Uh, a lot of times tables um, are a big part of a culture, the way your table's designed, the way people eat and come together. It's a huge, significant part of your life. What do we do almost at every holiday and festival? We eat. You go to Riverfest, big, glorious, wonderful Riverfest and all of its spectacular dazzle. Um, what do we do when we get there? We eat, right? They got the ice cream. Uh, I'm a little disappointed they don't have cheese curds there. Uh, proper cheese curds. We've got to work on that. Maybe we should start one. Um, you know, all these different things, it's not only important uh, to eat, and I think most of us get that we need to eat, right? Uh, but I think a lot of us, would, if we're honest, we'd say, hey, we actually kind of enjoy it, right? We enjoy it. We enjoy eating our favorite foods. So what, what are some uh, favorite foods um, out there that maybe you don't think anyone else really likes? Real quick, help me out here. I know Evan loves brats. As uh, soon as, soon as uh, it's probably today even, I bet that grill's coming out, and there's going to be some Sheboygan brat smoke blowing this way. Johnsonville, okay. All right. He's got his brand even. Okay. What, what's something else? Mac and cheese? Hamburgers? What? Tacos. The German lady says tacos. Okay. All right. Hey, whatever. That's good. Are they German tacos? Don't think so. Okay. All right. Kimchi. There's another one. Actually, that can be pretty good. Some people would say, what's your favorite food? They would just say free. Whatever's free. Uh, especially if you have teenagers, maybe. Unfortunately... Our favorite foods are not always the best for our health, though, are they? Like, we all recognize we have to eat. Uh, and so we realize something's got to go into this body. And, and, and we don't have a problem with that, particularly when it tastes good and it's our favorite, right? No problem there. We'll put it in all day long, all night long, too. All night? Sorry. 
Too many songs go through my head. Healthy foods keep you healthy. Unhealthy foods don't. Pretty simple, right? Uh, this is such a simple reality to understand that even our government gets this, okay? Fitness.gov, so read, bear with me on, as we read this here. Your food choices each day affect your health. This is from fitness.gov. How you feel today, tomorrow, and in the future. Wow, a lot of implications there. Good nutrition is an important part of leading a healthy lifestyle. Combined with physical activity, your diet can help you to reach and maintain a healthy weight, reduce your risk of chronic diseases like heart disease and cancer, and promote your overall health. The impact of nutrition on your health. Unhealthy eating habits have contributed to obesity epidemic in the United States. About one-third of U.S. adults, I'll skip all the details, um, children, adolescents, age 19 years, obese, even for people at a healthy weight, a poor diet is associated with major health risks that can cause illness and even death. Eating is important. These include heart disease, hypertension, type 2 diabetes, osteoporosis, certain types of cancer. By making smart food choices, you can help protect yourself from these health problems. So even the government gets this. All right, we're going to bring this into a spiritual thing here in a second. So it gets done. It says the link between good nutrition and healthy weight, reduced chronic disease risk, and overall health is too important to ignore. All right? By taking steps to eat healthy, you will be on your way to getting the nutrients your body needs to stay healthy, active, and strong. As with physical activity, making small changes in your diet can go a long way, and it's easier than you think. Now, if you take all of those uh, physical applications and put in spiritual applications to there, you can pretty much just, we can go home and there's a sermon right there. But it goes on to say, so I love what they, they give us all this information, and then they say this. Now that you know the benefits, it's time to start eating healthy. That's how they end it. U.S. government, I love it. It's great. They said, okay, we've given you the facts. Now that you know it, just do it. I have to say, that's how we as pastors feel sometimes. We get done with our sermon, we're like, okay, there you go. You know it, now do it. And everyone's just kind of like, you hear crickets chirping. It's a lot easier said than done. Our spiritual life is no different than our physical life. If you took everything that they said within the context of the importance of healthy nutrition and it prevents all of these problems, the same thing happens spiritually. Proper spiritual nutrition keeps us spiritually alive and healthy and prevents a lot of problems that all of us as good Western American churchgoers suffer from. If you don't spiritually eat, we will starve and eventually die. The thing with that is we, we get that we all need to eat. Let's first go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 here. So all the way back in the Old Testament, Moses is teaching and he's preparing uh, the Hebrew people before they are to go into the promised land that God had called them to. They had left Egypt. They had been a nation of slaves. They've been wandering in the wilderness and the desert for 40 years. And now God's like, okay, I think we've worked on you enough. Now they're getting ready to go into the promised land. Moses isn't going to get to go with them. He's preparing them. He's teaching them. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. Be careful to obey all the commands I am giving you today. Then you will live and multiply 
And you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Moses was letting them know. Sometimes, just a little extra application here. Sometimes we feel like we're in a wilderness in our life. We feel kind of dry and we feel like we're really struggling. And it's really making us kind of cry out and, and trust God a little bit more. Um, it's not because God's GPS is broken and he doesn't know how to get us to where he wants us. It's because he has to prepare us for where he wants to get us to. Sometimes that desert is a place of preparation. That's why James says, um, count it all joy, those trials and those tribulations. Count it all joy when you're going through that wilderness because God is preparing you for what is to come. So that's just a little side note there. Verse 3, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by, the very, by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. They left Egypt, and Egypt was a horrible place. They were slaves. Oftentimes, they didn't get a lot to eat, obviously, being slaves. Uh, but they got some food, and there was, Egyptian had their own types of food, and they, they're following God, and now they're out in this wilderness in their desert, and they start complaining, saying, God, where, you know, we're hungry here. And God says, all right, and he provides this, this uh, divine food that would gather on the ground, and they'd pick it up, and they would bake it, and almost kind of fertile, kind of yellowish, mullish-looking material, and they would produce bread out of it. I guess it was kind of like the elvish bread in Lord of the Rings. It would sustain them. They were good. And it wasn't by accident. God wanted them to realize that it didn't matter where they were, that they could be in the driest, uh, the most inhospitable wildernesses, and he would provide for them everything they needed. Now, as we've talked about before, eventually everything they needed wasn't everything they wanted. And I love the, the part where they start complaining to God, even though he's provided for them. They're like, God, we hate this, and we have to actually go out and pick it up, and we have to make it. Like, come on, God, we want some meat. And so he's like, you ungrateful, spoiled little brats. So kind of adding a little context there. Sends a whole ton of quail, so much so that their, their camp is like deep with quail. And it says they were, God's like, I'm going to send you so much, you're going to choke to death on it, is what he tells them. So be careful what you wish for. Be content with what God has given us because it's exactly what we need. Jesus echoes this passage in Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. And what's kind of a cool parallel here is Moses is, they're just coming out of their 40 years in the wilderness and he's telling them this. Um, now we're getting to, Jesus uses this exact same um, text here in his own situation. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So he had just been baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit, dove descended upon him. God's presence was there. And he goes out into the wilderness for his 40 days of fasting and praying. To where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, 
the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. So let those, that line right there, people do not live by bread alone. Uh, there's different verses, and we'll talk about this here in a little bit. That's one that every believer needs to have memorized. Um, you need to have it burned into your brain. When we start complaining in life, when we start feeling dry and thirsty spiritually or even physically, to stop and say, man does not live by bread alone. Because that reminds us we need God. It reminds us that he is the giver of life. It reminds us that he is the one who spiritually sustains us and gives us life. Our spiritual life must be fed to be healthy. And here's the reality, one reason it's important to remember this, people do not live by bread alone, is to realize that just like in our physical sense, our bodies know we need to eat. And whether or not we choose to eat what's right, we're going to eat, right? And it's very easy when we start to uh, skip a meal here and there, all of a sudden we, we start skipping important meals, and you get to work, and the next thing that's left is the vending machine, right? You start to eat a little bit out of the vending machine, or uh, some of you are like, no, I'd never do that, I'd go hungry first. Or you get home, and you're like, man, I forgot to eat all day, I should make dinner, I don't want to make dinner. There's a cake right there already made. Yes. Score. We do the same thing spiritually. Now, you know, every once in a while, a little cake here and there is not going to hurt you. You can have your cake and eat it too, in moderation. But the reality is, if we made a habit of that, if we forget to eat our broccoli, if we're not getting a proper balance of carbs and protein and good nutrition, it's going to catch up to us, isn't it? If we only eat one of the same kind of thing over and over again, I mean, who doesn't love some bacon, right? But eventually, if that's all you're eating, you do not want to see what your intestines are going to look like in a few years. Or your heart. And the same thing in our life, and what happens is we don't realize it sometimes you know, have you ever caught yourself eating and you didn't know why? And you're kind of snacking, maybe you're watching a movie, and the next thing you know, like, oh man, I just ate a whole bag of chips. I gotta run extra tomorrow or something. You're like, I didn't mean to do that. You do it kind of without thinking, or you walk into the kitchen, you're like, why didn't I even come in? You went in to get something, and you don't even remember, and you're like, oh, Jesus, all right, cool. You know, and you just start snacking, you don't even realize it. Well, the same thing spiritually happens. Whether we realize it or not, we are spiritually eating all the time. Our, our soul is hungry. It wants to be fed. It needs sustenance. And what happens is, a lot of times, if we aren't feeding it correctly, that hunger is still there. And that's why we start getting a little goofy in the things of this world. We start consuming more of the things of this world over and over again. Trying to, to fill that, that spiritual hunger that's there because we haven't been eating what we should be eating. A spiritual life must be fed to be healthy. Just in the, in the real world, and, and uh, I get to help coach at the Y a little bit, and we help people get started in good health and set 
habits, good patterns. And part of there's a discipline. You have to actually discipline yourself. Sometimes you have to plan out what you're going to eat because it's hard to break those habits. If you're used to just eating whatever, whenever, you have to set a disciplined routine to get healthy. It's just the way it is. And spiritually, it's the same thing. If we don't set a, a disciplined time within our life to make sure we are being fed spiritually, we're going to be going through this life hungry, gobbling up whatever the world puts in front of us. So what are some of the ways in which we eat spiritually? Obviously, we know that from God's mouth, his own words, Jesus said himself, he said, I am the bread of life, meaning that if you consume me, everything that I've said, everything that I've modeled and done, I've called you to, you will have life that will sustain you. So we have God's word, we have the Bible. God's word, his, his promises, his commandments, that is the bread that we are to consume daily. So just like physical food, there's a few different ways in which we take in our food, right? Everyone's got different ways. Some cultures you got forks, some cultures you got chopsticks. But what's interesting is every single culture that you find, there is this common thing called the family dinner table. It may be tall, it may be on the ground, you may sit on pillows, you may sit at chairs, but there is this communal gathering of, of eating and sustaining life together. Here in the States, we call that the family dinner table. Unfortunately, that is even uh, physically disappearing within our culture. And what's interesting is if you look at the physical state and the chaos of our American lives, it's no wonder our spiritual lives are just as chaotic. The two parallel each other quite often. So our family dinner table, Sunday morning sermons, Bible studies, anytime we gather together as the body of Christ, we're coming together as a family to eat the bread of life. Not going to church or participating in church groups is like skipping a hot, hearty, healthy, homemade meal. How many of you know if when your grandma or that one person, when they, when they cooked, you didn't, didn't matter what you're doing, you skipped everything because you knew it was going to be good, right? You went there. If you've been out camping a long time or if you were in the military and you were out a long ways away or if you had to travel on the road a long time, there comes a point where you're like, man, I just want a good, hearty, healthy cooked meal. You know, and if you can't find a place, you start praying for a Cracker Barrel. You need something. You need some, you need some turnip greens and some grits. Okay, I forget. We're a little far north for that. You need some hot dish, right? There we go. I don't know. Pizza. I think we can all agree on pizza. Especially after swimming. Oh, man, nothing better than pizza after swimming. That's the only reason I like swimming, so I can eat pizza. But when we skip those hot, hearty, healthy, homemade meals... We get hungry, we end up eating junk later. I mean, imagine you're at your grandma's house, or your mom's house, or your dad's house, whoever's that, that really good cook, or you're at Tom. Tom's a phenomenal cook. Uh, you should have his uh, bread pudding. It's made from donuts. It's fantastic. Um, but if I'm, if I'm at Tom's house, 
And Tom goes, hey, uh, Jared, you know, I just made a little meal. Uh, if you want to stay, we'd love to have you. I'd be like, yeah, I can make that happen. <laughs> I know it's going to be good. Now imagine if your grandma or your parents or somebody, and this is family time. This is your time you come together. And your grandmother, is, let's, say, let's say it's Thanksgiving. And especially, I've been told, the older you get, the more you really value your family. Is that true? Anyone willing to, okay, all right, it's good. I find that true for myself. Now, imagine your grandparents, they've got their family, and they're like, you know what, we just want to get everyone together. We're going to put together this amazing meal. I mean, there's going to be everything that we need to support life and be healthy, and we're going to come together and we're going to celebrate this life that we're sustaining. Because it's not just about, and part of coming together at the family dinner table, it's not just about eating. It's about celebrating the life that we are sustaining. That's why food's called sustenance. You're sustaining this life. And the same thing, when we come together as the body of Christ, we're not just eating that, that bread of life, but we are celebrating the life that that bread is giving us. And imagine the table's all set, and the dishes are all put in place, Everyone's sitting in the living room. Grandma comes out. Dinner time. Someone's phone goes off. Oh, sorry, Grandma. Um, got this thing. I don't have time. Sorry. And they leave. Start walking to the kitchen. The next person. Oh, you know what? I just remembered. I just ate the super-sized bag of combos before I got here. I, I don't think I really need it. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Tell you what, I'm just going to take my Mountain Dew and leave. And one by one, Grandma and Grandpa are sitting there, tables laid out, dishes, food still smell wafting in the air, and there's steam rising. Chair after chair is empty. Because everybody in the family is too busy to actually come together eat, and celebrate. We will get hungry, and we will eat. And if we are not eating what God has for us, we will eat what the world has for us. And it will rob us of our hunger for what God has for us. The reason why churches across America... They call it's called the, there's this thing called the nuns right now. People that aren't affiliated, they don't want to go to church, they don't want to be a part of the body. And we have all these wonderful excuses. I've used them myself in the past. And everyone will say, you'll even hear people say, Well, I'm just not being fed, you know. I can I can I can eat on my own. That's the equivalent of saying, I'm not going to go to grandma's and eat with the family because I can go to Quick Trip and get a fish sandwich. I've used that excuse myself. It's garbage of an excuse. Because it's not just about eating the bread of life. It's about celebrating together that life that we have. And just an analogy, so we've got this big table. And imagine we've got a, a table lined up over here. Actually, can we get a hand? You guys help me out here? Both of you, yes. All right, you stand right over here. You stand there. Okay. All right, this is Grandpa and Grandma. 
They've made a big, beautiful table. Now, mashed potatoes are down here. Turkey's down here. Grandpa wants him some mashed potatoes. But here's the thing. Not throw it. Come on. Now, it's a big table. If they're going to have a little bit of everything that's on that table that's good for them and they need, they're now going to have to get up, walk around, pass it back and forth. This is a big table. They've got to set this table all by themselves. They've set it all by themselves. Part of, thank you, there's this big divide. Now, if we start putting a bunch of people in between this table, and my family, it was fun. Uh, grandfather, my grandpa had this uh, thing. It had to go counterclockwise. And you better start soon. You better, because as, as soon as he sat down and we said amen, somebody better start passing a dish. It was kind of a joke. It was fun. You know, you get the mashed Hey, why aren't we moving here? What, you, what, quit talking. Let's, get, the, let's get, the, get it going. Get it going. All right, we got the mashed potatoes. Get that gravy. You better be right behind the mashed potatoes. Now, if everyone's sitting at the table, it's not hard to make sure everyone gets what they need and want, right? If there's empty seats at that table, there's a gap and not everything's going to get passed. It gets awkward. You have to stand up. You have to go a couple chairs over. You've got to hand it. It's not the same. The conversation's not the same. The energy, it's not the same, is it? And many churches across the U.S. are, are struggling because the reality is many believers are neglecting those family dinners. As I was going through college, I, I was wrestling with God. I'm like, God, you know, I don't really need other people. I'm good. Just you and me, we're good. The more, the older I got, and as God began to remind me of growing up in the church my whole life, realizing and remembering all the beautiful things that take place when the family comes together. I remember as a kid, love, absolutely loving Thanksgiving when everyone came together. You got grand parents, the great, and I was blessed. I had my great-grandparents. I had great-grandparents from both sides at the same dinner table. My grandparents, my cousins. There was joy, there was laughter, there was celebration for what God had done. That is a beautiful picture of what the body of Christ should be. When we as individual believers decide that we do not need the family dinner table, what we are saying is, I'm just going to grab a fish sandwich at Quick Trip. Now, there's nothing wrong with grabbing a bite to eat on the go. But when you're replacing the hot, healthy, nutritious, fun, full of love dinner table of family, it is no substitute. So here's just some things that happen. We got family dinner times. I just threw them up there. We got Sunday morning at 9.30, Wednesday night at 6.30. If by chance you get sick or out of town or have to work, they're all online. I want to encourage everyone here. God's doing something. We're moving, we're moving towards something. We're not just aimlessly coming together and, and celebrating, but we're coming together. We're eating. We're growing. We're celebrating. And we're kind of regrouping and planning and moving forward together. Connection groups and ministries, 
We've got Celebrate Recovery, Finding Healing from Life's Hurts, Habits and Hangups, Men's Connection Groups, Women's Connection Group, Youth Ministry, Kids Ministry, Mom's Connection Group, Family Game Night Connection, Praying and Color Workshop, and Monthly Worship, which is tonight. We have all these wonderful, beautiful things that are taking place. And I encourage each and every one, not just on Sunday morning, but find at least one of those, at least one of those to connect and to be a part of and come together. So we said family dinner is not just about getting fed. It's about spending time together and helping serve the meal to each other and the guests that Jesus is wanting to bring into the family. There's another application. Imagine you want to bring someone on, or you say you're dating someone as a fiancé. Now imagine if Chris said, Stephanie, they're engaged. Congratulations again. We're just going to keep pointing that out every week. The date set, right? Are we announcing the date yet? Later. Okay, we'll do that later. All right. I've got it on my phone because I'm cool and I'm important. Um, and otherwise I'll forget. Now imagine if Chris said, all right, Stephanie, I want you to come meet my family. They're, they're really cool. I love them. Um, you know, we have a great time eating together, celebrating life together. All right, my mom, my dad, my, my parent, or my siblings, my, my aunt and uncles are all going to be there. Come and join me. She's like, all right, that sounds great. And she comes to the table, and it's just mom and dad. She doesn't actually get to meet the family, does she? Another reason we come together is, as new believers, the idea, hopefully we are out in the world sharing the gospel. And as people come to know Christ, or start becoming become interested in, man, why, why, are, why do you have so much life in you? Be like, oh, well... Because I had this wonderful meal and I got this great family and we, we work together and we, we do life together. You should come and join me. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool, all right. And then they come and join you, but then the family's not there. We serve and we feed one another the bread of life. Paul says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 25, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. There's nothing holding us back from coming together, worshiping Him. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Together, um, Hillary, Pastor Hillary used this verse uh, a couple of studies ago, a few Wednesday nights ago. And let us not neglect are meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So this morning, we just want to remind ourselves, and i got a couple quick things here. One, we got the family dinner table. Uh, the more I, longer I'm in ministry, the longer I'm a believer, the more and more I've come to realize the importance of the body of Christ and coming together at the family table. Secondly, some other ways. Now, we know that we get, go out, um, we get up from the family table, we go about our daily lives and we work and we have uh, hobbies and different things that we do. And the same thing, we, we, we come out of here, we, we go out into the world. And so it's important, just a couple ways to make sure we're being fed. Just real quick here, we'll wrap up. Pack a lunch. So we have the family dinner table. That's one way we, we feed ourselves spiritually. Second, we need to pack a lunch Personal reading and study of God's Word. 
encourage you to, if you don't have it, find a, a good study Bible. It's got good notes in it. Devotional books. Even the Sunday leftovers. How many of you take leftovers to work with you? Re-listen to Sunday sermons or take notes. And if there's something God just kind of hits you with, you know, there'll be times where um, it's, it's always funny to me. I'll have like the main points and someone comes to me and it's just something completely random. I don't even remember saying. They're like, man, God just spoke to me. I'm like, cool. I didn't even plan that. That's God kind of helping you pack your lunch for the week. Write it down. Go back to it. Um, mull over, chew on what we've just learned. So study the Bible on your own as well. Thirdly, don't skip breakfast and make sure you snack throughout the day. A lot of people don't realize when they're trying to lose weight, uh, we tell them, you've got to eat more often through the day. You know, like three good, healthy meals, and two or three light, healthy snacks. Because what happens is you're getting more nutrients in, your metabolism goes up, your body gives you more energy, you're able to do more and burn off more calories. It's so important spiritually. Pray without ceasing. Same concept. Prayer and reminding ourselves of God's promises and key verses that every believer should have memorized. So throughout the day, just take time to stop. We talked about this in the, in the Love Life um, last week. Just stop and say, God, I love you. And just listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says back. Have verses that you're struggling. Like, man, I, I want to I go do this. I want to go do that. Man does not live on bread alone. Write down those key verses and, and dwell on them, meditate on them throughout the day. So those are three things we want to remind ourselves of. Don't forget to eat. Come together at the family dinner table. It's not just about eating. It's also about celebrating life and serving and feeding one another. Secondly, Pack a lunch. Don't neglect that daily personal time with God. Hear what he has for us. And then thirdly, snack throughout the day. Those things that we've heard when we came together at the dinner table or, or God showed us through our devotion or just take that time just to pray when we get those little moments. Just check in with our Father and say, God, how am I doing? I love you. Let the Holy Spirit remind us of those verses that we've been memorizing and, and letting sink within us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. God, I just ask that you would um, just remind us, Father, of the importance of making sure that we don't forget to eat. That, Lord, you truly are the bread of life. Lord, may we hunger and thirst. Your word says, hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Lord, I pray that you would help us to hunger and desire for all that you have for us that, Lord, we would not allow our spiritual appetites for you to be ruined, Father, by our appetite for the things of this world. Lord, may we fill ourselves with you, with your word and all that you have for us. And, Lord, I just ask that you would remind us of this daily, that you may be glorified, that we may thrive and live the lives that you've called us to live. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.